Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. Pick six. Welcome back to the WFTD Classified Podcast. Uh, tonight we have a special guest in the house. We have professional NFL agent J.R. Carroll. How you doing, J.R.? Doing well. Well, and for those of you that are listening and don't know, he's the agent of Jonathan Williams, who's a running back for the Washington football team who we cheered on this year. Um, so let's jump right into it. Um, tell us how you got into being an agent. Were you a trial attorney first and then transitioned into that? Or Yeah, I mean, uh, I was a trial attorney and, and still really am. And I work for a firm. We have about 600 uh, lawyers, I think 23 offices across the country. We've got an office in DC. And, um, and, and basically what happened was, um, you know, Ron Mallett's family was looking for someone, you know, basically to assist an agent uh, and also somebody local that, that Ron would trust. And, and so what I, I told the family is, I'd be more than happy to represent Ron, but you actually need to go get a real agent and, and you know, carry on the sports side and, and I'll take care of all the stuff on, off the field. And so, um, you know, I signed Ron with David Dunn out of Athletes First and, um, and I've represented a lot of players with Athletes First and other agencies and, and some individuals just on their own. It just, it really depends on what the player wants. And, and so that was 2011. I honestly thought that I'd represent Ryan, kind of get him going and kind of push that boat out of the water and, and be done. And, uh, and it's now 2022 and I'm going to be representing Traylon Burks in this year's draft and, and it just keeps going. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's projected to be a first round pick. So that's got to be exciting for you. What's your involvement like during the draft process with a prospect that's going to be potentially a first round pick? Uh, it, it's, it's pretty it's pretty intensive. And because, I mean, they will really uh, micromanage every single thing that the player does. Uh, luckily for me, to be honest, uh, Traylon is about as low key of an individual as, as you will ever meet. Uh, he's already engaged. Um, uh, he doesn't really like to hang out with people. I mean, what's funny is Traylon likes to hunt, fish, play football, and play Fortnite. And that's about the only thing he likes to do. Uh, I represented uh, Kobe Hamilton and the Steelers before they brought him on said, hey, you know, what's, what's his nightlife situation like? And I said, unless a fight breaks out of the cell barn, um, you're good. <laughs> and they said, what's a cell barn? And I said, it's a place that you buy and sell cows. <laughs> and they were like, that was going to be the follow-up question there. What's a cell barn? So. And they said, no, we're talking about Kobe Hamilton. And I said, go look at his social media. It's nothing but cows. Yeah. And and sure enough, uh, Kobe made the team and uh, with the Steelers, 
and the front office called me and said, hey, we just got off the phone with Kobe and he drove all the way to Indiana because there's a cow sale in Indiana. <laughs> and we asked him if he had any intentions of buying any cows. He said, no, I, I'm just there to watch. <laughs> and so when you get low key guys like that, um, it's great. And quite honestly, right now, Kobe Hamilton has a huge farm in uh, Southwest Arkansas and loves life. Doing exactly what he wanted to do. That's awesome. Now, when you have a client like Jonathan Williams, who again plays for the Washington football team, who we're all fans of, and he's not a top of the roster, a top of the depth chart guy, do you play a role just keeping them motivated and keeping them, you know, positive spirits and things like that about their opportunities? Well, in most cases, yes. I mean, to be real honest, um, as you would expect in anything, just say like the acting field or whatever, if you've got a Tom Hanks or Denzel Washington, everybody wants them. So it's very, very easy. It's the guys that are on the bubble of the team that you really have to work really hard for. And, and not only that, I mean, it's a confidence game with these guys and they can't lose confidence. Jonathan Williams has always been an individual that you never had to worry about his confidence level. I mean, I get more down than he does when things go bad for him. And, and like, I mean, I will tell you this, um, one of the great things about my life is, is being introduced to somebody like Jonathan. I mean, I mean, he's been cut numerous times. It's no, and, and all the times he would always, when I would just be down, he would say, you know, JR, God's got a plan. Yeah. And like, he always said it in a positive way, not a negative way. Like whenever something bad happens to Jonathan, he always looks at it like it's not a negative. Like there's a there's a positive to this. And and basically, Jr., you're just an idiot because you can't see it. And, <laughs> and 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 quite honestly, he always says, you know, he can't see it either, but it's going to. And sure enough, it has kind of always worked out for Jonathan and and to be real honest I always say that Jonathan's kind of the curious case of Jonathan Williams he's had the worst luck I don't think anybody has really ever gone through and looked at looked at his timeline to see how crazy of a timeline he's had in the NFL it's it's amazing yeah. The uh, to add on to uh, to what you were saying there into Ellie's question, you know, so with like a Jonathan Williams, are you um, it, it sounds like you're, you're spending a lot of time, you know, with each uh, client because everybody's uh, obviously different. Their situation's different kind of strategizing. Hey, uh, in particular, the offseason right now, I know, you know, there's a couple of teams in the playoffs, but everybody else is full offseason mode. Do you sit down with like a Jonathan Williams and say, hey okay, here's how we're going to attack off season, right? You have your personal time, your vacation, you start your workouts. Here are teams that uh, options that we're going to investigate when, you know, whatever free agency opens, those types of things. Or is this like a quiet period? Are you guys allowed to work or how to, kind of, how does that uh, kind of take place? Uh, and mainly during this period, you're working with the guys that are coming up into the draft yeah. and, and literally this is a Washington podcast and it, it'll sound rehearsed and dumb and fake but like most of my guys like when it's all season like coming December especially if it looks like they're not going to be in the playoffs like I'm already kind of setting up 
vacations and trips somewhere where they can go and you know just get away for a week or two weeks and just kind of decompress from the season. Right. Jonathan Williams will be in the gym the next day and probably work out three times. And it's and that thing is that's what he likes to do. That's how he decompresses. But for the most part, um, as soon as um, you know, if you've ever seen the locker room, I mean, what will happen is as soon as that last game, most guys aren't even bringing in luggage. They're bringing in trash bags. Yeah. And they're throwing themselves in a trash bag, and they're literally home by noon the next day. It is that fast, and then they're they're out to decompress because, I mean, everybody knows the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. If yeah. you play, you're going to get hurt. It's just as to what degree you're going to get hurt. No, absolutely. Um, I think you are – you're out of Arkansas, right? I am. Um, and I think you follow the Arkansas football program uh, pretty closely. Uh, one of the guys I watched there this season, obviously Traylon Burks is the big guy, but the guy throwing to him, KJ Jefferson, I know he's not coming out uh, this year, but he had a really good year this year. I was very impressed with his play um, and how he handled this season. I think you guys had nine wins uh, this year. But what, what were your thoughts on uh, KJ? I, I thought that he has really developed as a player. He came into Arkansas extremely raw yeah. and and quite honestly you know when usually when you come in that raw um one you have to have patience the coaching staff has to have patience and and football is not a patient sport uh, people want to see results and for him to kind of grind through what he had to grind through with regard to you know accuracy issues and just developing as a quarterback because he's such a good athlete that in high school, if you're just a really good athlete and you're the best athlete on the, on the, on the field, right. Just kind of let your athleticism go. I mean, it's great to be able to pass the ball to somebody, but if you know that you can just tuck it, still get 20 yards, the coach is going to tell you to tuck it and get 20 yards, not go through your progressions. And because quite honestly, most high school coaches are worried about winning that game, not developing you as, as a quarterback. I mean, quite honestly, I would say that Florida did not do a lot to develop, uh, you know, Tim Tebow as a quarterback. I mean, they just basically played to his strengths and really didn't try to change his mechanics, didn't try to give him an NFL style throwing. And, and he was there for four years. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the last one that I have for you, I, you know, I know uh, you were saying how kind of intensive this period is with some of your clients and especially with the draft. Uh, with COVID, are you doing a lot of this virtually or are you, is this a lot of this in, um, in person uh, in terms of meetings and trips and, and, you know, whether it's meeting with teams or meeting with scouts or anything like that, is that, is that all virtual or has all that changed in this process? A lot of it is virtual with all of my guys, you know, it's in person just because I want, you know, I want to be there. Um, I thought it was very important. I knew that the NFL, what the NFL was going to do. Um, you know, I, I teach sports law to second and third year law school students um, at the U of A. So I've been tracking NIL and how and the two big topics for me were NIL and COVID. So, right. I literally had all of my guys vaccinated very early on. And, oh, um, and what was funny was I literally had a bet with Jonathan 
because he was the last one to get vaccinated and he's from Allen, Texas. And he said, well, I, I don't even know where to get vaccinated. And I said, I bet you dinner that there's at least a place you can get vaccinated within a mile of your house. And he's like, all right, done, bet. Um, there was three locations. So, <laughs> Good. Uh, so he owed me dinner. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So I had a question about just the, the overall general process of, it's very fascinating to me how the, how the you know, the kind of the, the back channels work in the NFL. And can you explain a little bit about what goes into like, to you, I know initially you said that, you know, Ryan Mallett's parents approached you, but in general, like trying to gather new clients, I know you've got a pretty good pipeline coming out of Arkansas, but what goes into that? Is there like a battle royale behind the scenes with all the agents fighting over each other or how does that work? It is a cutthroat battle royale. I mean, uh, knives at noon, it really is. And, and, and what's funny is I kind of stay out of the fray because I really don't go out and recruit. Literally, um, the only way I get players is my players talk to other players, and then those players come to me. Uh, I represented Jarius Wright. He's from a little town of 6,000 people in called Warren, Arkansas. There just happened to be a 6'3", 225, a kid that grew up to be 6'3", 225 pounds, that Jarius Wright, had mentored since he was a little kid, and now he's a first-round prospect. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's anything that I could have walked in trailing his living room and said and impressed him enough uh, to sign with me. That, you know, those are all that groundwork was all laid by Jarius saying he's represented me for so long in the NFL. I know exactly how well he did for me. This is this is what I think is best for you. But, um, but yes, there are stories out there, um, you know, the, the Jerry McGuire stories of, uh, of agents down in the lobby and then agents upstairs signing, and those are all true, every single one of them. It's, it is, it's amazing. So you've never been on the phone yelling, show me the money. <laughs> I have not. Guys. Okay, uh, good. That was, kind of, uh, that was actually one of my questions, like how accurate is that? But I guess you, you kind of cleared it up. Uh, uh, you know, but it, I mean, yeah, those guys go after it. It, it is really accurate. And, and, you know, when, when I, I represented Frank Ragnow and he got drafted in the first round. And so my law firm was nice enough to take Tom Cruise's picture off Jerry Maguire and, and post it all in my office, in our corporate kitchen, in the hallways, in the elevator. And there were signs that said, show me the money all over my office. So well, you had me at hello. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you um what goes in I know you had mentioned a little bit earlier about you know how you're you're scheduling vacations for players and you're trying to help what how much work do you do uh with that kind of thing like what percentage of the job is that and what kind of what do you do to prepare people for life after football how does that how does that all play into your job is it just like are you like cradle to the grave as far as NFL career goes or how's that work I mean my you know I'm unique, and what I what I tell my players is, if you're looking for somebody to just represent you while you're in the NFL, I'm not really interested. Um, I, I used to always say, um, I, I want to represent you to your dead, but since I'm 45 years old, I tell them now, I want to represent you till I die. And but but in all honesty, what I tell all my players is, um, if you're not thinking about um, your career after football. Um, 
while you're still in football, you're making a mistake. Um, I always tell my players, I can tell you when your last game as a football player is. And your last game as a football player is usually your bowl game. Because after your bowl game, you're a business person. And for a split second of your life and of your work career, your business will be football. Um, and whether it's a Hall of Fame career or whether it's three years in the league, it will still go by in a blink of an eye. And you should treat this as a business because I promise you, your employer will treat it as a business. And our, I make sure that um, every contract my, my players sign, whether it's leases, whether it's buying a car, whether it's their NFL contract, I have them, I, I go through line by line because I tell them if the first time that you actually ever see a, a contract is when you're 30 years old and you have to review it, um, it's too late. You, you're going to, you're going to, that's, that's when people get taken advantage of. Makes sense. Go ahead, Brian. So with all the things that you are doing for your clients, I know you said you're, you're at a firm of, you know, 6,000 plus in specific, do you have a team dedicated to the sports side or how many, you know, are on your staff just kind of working with all the players that you have? It's, it's basically just me. And, and quite honestly, what, what I do is I try to keep my roster between five and seven players. And, and when it gets, when I, when I get to that limit, I, I simply wait for someone to retire. I mean, um, I don't think that you can be as hands-on as I want to be um, and, and say, hey, we're one big family of 40 people. Doesn't make sense. I mean, I've got two kids. I can't figure out where they are most of the time. <laughs> How am, I, how am I supposed to figure out if I have 12 players, um, what they're doing and what their needs are? Um, and sure enough, I could hire people to, to pawn them off on, but that's not the agreement that he and I reached when I said, I want to represent you. I didn't say, I want to represent you, but here's so-and-so if you need anything. That's, that's not the deal. Yeah. You know, one of the most intriguing parts of the whole draft process for fans is the undrafted free agent signing period, which I can imagine as an agent, that's probably a bunch of calamity. And can you kind of take us through what that process is like after the draft? Um, well, it starts probably in round six. So in round six, you start getting phone calls and you get, you start to get the jostling of, of teams. And, and the best part is, you know, you're, you're trying to do a balancing act between how much money um, you can get for your, your player as to what is the best situation. And I always tell my players, uh, we don't trip over pennies chasing dollars. You know, if, if somebody's going to offer you a 15 or $20,000 signing bonus, and I look at the depth chart and there's no chance really for you to make the roster until, unless somebody gets hurt, we're not going there. You know, I would much rather you go somewhere where you're getting no signing bonus and have a shot to make the roster and stick than, than getting money. And, and what most people don't realize is um, if, if you're in the sixth or seventh round, it's better off not to get drafted, quite honestly. Um, the, the choice, the opportunity to be on the roster that you want, you're better off. And not only that, once you don't get drafted, if you're a highly sought after player, 
you can actually get a lot much bigger signing bonus than you would if you were a, a top six round pick. Um, you know, like um, Collins, the tackle for Dallas, they came out of LSU. There were some allegations. People didn't know what he was doing, what was going on. He was a projected second round, third round guy. He didn't get drafted at all. The only way that Dallas could sign him was to give him a fully guaranteed four-year contract. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's that's the beauty of being an undrafted free agent is most of the time you were signing for five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar signing bonus. But there are there those instances where whatever you can get get made, you can get made. Yeah. I want to get you out of here on this question. How do NFL players view the practice squad? Like when they have to sign on to somebody's practice squad, do they look at that generally as an opportunity or is that kind of like, oh, I want to wait till I can find a, like an actual roster spot? Um, it's much different now. It, it used to be, you know, as you would expect, just a lower tier. Um, but now with the change in the COVID rules where you can have veterans on the practice squad, A, it's given the practice squad a lot more credibility. And B, you would be surprised at some of the veterans, although they will, they will remain unnamed, they don't mind being on the practice squad. Um, but what they'll say is, I get my weekends off. You know, I'm here to practice. And, and quite honestly, I think that a veteran on the practice squad makes $250,000. Um, the smart veterans will tell you $250,000 for 18 weeks of work, not bad. Um, and, and I've had, you know, veterans, not guys that I represent that have said, Hey, it's either this or carpooling five, five kids. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this as long as I can. Yeah. I would also tell you that $250,000 for 18 weeks of work is, is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. But I don't think you have to be a veteran to, to say that. I think most people. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, Jay, we, we definitely appreciate the time. Thank you so much for stopping in with us and best of luck to everything that you're working on and all your clients this upcoming season. Yeah, no thank, thank you. Good to meet you all. You as well. Thank Take you. care. Appreciate it.